0: stories turn songs into symphonies, events into memories, and lives into legends. In our crowded world, knowing your story cuts through the noise so you can make your mark, whether you want to sell more books, increase profits, or just make a difference. At Sterling & Stone, story is our business. The Story Studio Podcast is where we explore ways we can all tell our stories better. And now, with the Story Studio Podcast number 35, here's Johnny, Sean, and Dave.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Story Studio Podcast. I will say that this is the first time we've had two different guests in one recording session. Because last time I sort of stepped, you know... Said that Dave wasn't
2: family? (laughs)
1: Well, no... (laughs) Well, he he isn't part of the Sterling and Stone family working with us every day in Slack. Um but yeah, so so uh we do have and you guys wouldn't know that because these air one a week, but um we're today we have on um one of our favorite people and a past guest and past summits. Uh you haven't spoken at the summit, I don't think, but but you've 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 done workshops at 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 least two out of the three summits. <laughs> Uh, that we've done so far, uh, Tammy Lebrec, uh, former, um, <laughs> did you say promotions. she's done workshops at at least two out of the three? Like <laughs> she
2: may have done one on the third that we forgot about. Well, I
1: couldn't remember if we did one in the first one.
3: <laughs> I was not at the first summit. So, okay.
1: so, so no. So yes. And at least covers it. I could have said at least one knowing that there were at least two and then it'd be good. I'd be covered. Um, so welcome to the show. Welcome for coming. Thank you for coming back. Um, and talking with us as always. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. What's yes. up? I think that's what we needed. So a little oh, my energy. God. <laughs> You're <Yeah>, right. <laughs> so, so, without another Dave here, Dave doesn't know how to handle Sean. <laughs> no. Um, so th- the reason, I mean, Tammy's going to be speaking at the summit this year. This is the um, at the the final Smarter Artist Summit in February. She's going to be speaking. Um, going to be doing the newsletter Black Belt Workshop the day after the summit which those have always, the workshops have always been very good. This one seems particularly awesome because it is kind of individualized. I would
2: individualized. take that workshop heartbeat.
1: And, um, but that's what we want to talk about, kind of like w- working with, like, first of all, what's kind of, what's working in promotion, like big picture, let's not go nitty gritty because it, it varies. And, um, what's, what do people need to keep in mind about communicating with their audiences and all that newsletter ninja, sorts of sorts of stuff.
3: All right. So where do I start? Um,
1: Well, what do you see people doing wrong maybe is a good place to start?
3: What I see people doing wrong more than anything is only emailing when they have a new release. Um, So we'll get to that in just a second. That's the thing I see them doing most. But apart from that, the most egregious thing I see people doing is they are still in 2018 – Saying, uh I don't really have to worry about having a mailing list. They just follow me on Amazon. I have a big Facebook group. Like, I'm still hearing this.
2: How many? How many? How many authors are staying that now in 2018? Because
3: oh, goodness gracious, I I'd be surprised if I didn't talk to at least one every day, one new one wow. every new day. Like it's crazy, um, especially now because I just got the book out, and so people are talking the book up, and so someone will post on Twitter or Facebook about it." Um, you know, you got to get this book. It's so awesome. And then someone else will come along and be like, yeah, I don't really do a lot with my mailing list. And I'm like, okay, first of all, get out of this post about my book. (laughs) Second, (laughs) you have to have a mailing list. Like that's, it's it's not negotiable. It's not optional. It never has been. You've been flogging this horse. Do you have to
2: talk them into it or do they get it right away? Like as soon as you start telling them or they're like, oh, of course.
3: Usually... Often I don't bother. That's the God's honest. Like I only have 10 spots in my class every month. So, or it's not even every month. I only get 10 spots. So I don't have to talk people into it. Um, But if I do find somebody who is at least open to it, yes, they get it very quickly. As soon as I explain um, what I think I stole from you, which is the term
0: digital sharecropping. I explained We stole that, that from Sonia Simone. I Sa- think we
1: stole Sonya that from Sonia Yeah. <laughs>
4: there you go. So <laughs> and
1: did we say the title of the book yet? Well, I was just going to oh. say that one, but it, what, I didn't want to shoehorn it in. I was going to wait. But yes, Tammy's book is Newsletter Ninja, How to Become an Author Mailing List Expert. And it's awesome.
2: It, yeah. It's- and I told Tammy this when I read it, but I want to tell all of you, it is not just the best book on the subject that there is. There is no book on the subject like this. Like it, it's... It's everything that I believe. I mean, Tammy already completely had her own shit going together. She's really smart. She understands the space. But I also think that working with us for a while and really picking up kind of like the way that we approach this and then leaving and going out and doing it on her own and with other authors and like she just has her shit together better than anyone I've seen in the industry when it comes to this particular topic. So... Yeah. Listen to what she says
3: so much. I had occasion to speak to a romance author. I don't know very well the other day. Um, she did not know about the newsletter book. We were talking about something else. And she sent me a sample of a newsletter that she was going to include one of my books in. And I said, Oh, try doing this at the beginning and then do this at the end. You'll get some replies. I think it'll really be good for engagement. And she said, do you think so? And I had the singular delight of saying, yeah, I kind of wrote the book on this. <laughs> that was really funny. Um so I was perfectly delighted by that. Um so yeah, people tend to come on board when I explain to them that as long as they're willing to bring traffic to Amazon or traffic to Facebook or even traffic to BookBub because I love having people follow me on BookBub. Um that's you don't control any of that and any of that can go away tomorrow. Um People don't believe it. It happened to me recently. I lost my reader group for reasons I won't go into. Um basically it got stolen. Um so I totally lost my reader group. And had I not had my newsletter. Why
2: didn't you tell right? Dave? Dave would have <laughs> he would have like vengeance would have been yours. <laughs> I'll get that I, fucking group back, Tammy. You should tell me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know he's like one DM away. I just don't understand. Like,
3: I know. But had I not had my um, newsletter to you know send out and say hey guys I'm I'm in this different place now come over and talk to me I would have lost touch with a lot of people that we do Facebook because there's a quickness to that and there's a I don't know quickness is the right word and you could just kind of drop a funny meme and keep in touch with people very casually but your newsletter is where you reach out and you go into their inboxes and that's really powerful that's really important.
2: Um, do you feel like a little bit of that is just the I don't even mean the immediacy of our culture although there is that right now for sure but just that there's a lack of maturity in our industry because it's new and people don't understand. So like hey there's like marketing has been a part of every single thing forever. But the fact that we can just get our books out there and you know put them for sale it's almost like it it gives us a false equation to look at. So I think-
3: that part of it, I think probably a large part of it is that it's work (laughs) and I'm not saying we don't want to work because indie authors are some of the hardest working people I know, but it's work. But they want to
2: work in the spaces that they feel comfortable working, right? Yeah. They
3: want to write a book or, or more immediately for themselves. If they want to think about marketing, they want to say, Hmm, how do I conquer Facebook ads? Which are important of course, but if Facebook goes away tomorrow, you need to have that mailing list. That's really important. Um, And I think you've read the book, Sean, so you know, I think that the real purpose of your mailing list kind of isn't even marketing. And when I tell people that, like, you can see it expand, like, oh, okay, because I say this in the book, you are not selling books on your newsletter, you are selling yourself. That's the difference. So What you are doing is building relationships with readers, um, making connections with readers, finding the ways in which they're like you, finding the ways in which you are like them and bonding them to you because, and this is super, super important, every person who reads one of your books is not necessarily going to become a big fan, but everybody who's one of your big fans will buy every single one of your books.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) One thing that you totally transform my thinking on... um, which I really appreciate. I mean, even just uh, yesterday, I was I was kind of branching, like I was making a big list of all the things that I need to finish for the end of this year for this one big project that we're, we're trying to get out. And they're, they're standalones that are connected, but not. And th- the idea that, that you have introduced that I really love is, hey, we've always, I think we brought the idea of the cookie into the industry. But... It's always about, that's how you do a funnel starter. That's how you get people onto your list. That's that. But your approach is much more like reader centric and it really is about the bonding and the creating the world. And our last guest from last week or half an hour ago for us, <laughs> right? Was, um, was Dave Lacani and, and he was talking about, you know, yeah, you should give your, your readers these extra stories that are just for them. And we're like, yeah, we, we've definitely heard that before, but. The way you could take it from what you're saying is personalize it because it's not for the all of Amazon. It's for only those few readers on that list, or few, few hundred, few thousand, whatever it is. It's that little group, and you should tailor that story more to them. and the the, the idea that you brought in is, hey, look, ideally, every book should have a cookie. There's no reason. like and so they should have actual cookies. What I'm new hungry. division
1: <laughs> What new division do we have within the company, Sean?
2: the bakery (laughs) and we have a cookie monster because we need to be producing these constantly. And so, yeah, we have, we have a, a, like kind of a set of six books that are coming out and none of them are funnel starters. Every single one of them is going to have a cookie. And, and we're making those, it's not like we're finishing the book. Now what cookie needs to be made it it, because of Tammy, I am now thinking about cookies as, as part of the book, as part of, What is like, it's very intentional from the beginning. And while we're writing, this is something that's going to exist. So for example, if we have an 80,000 word book and that's what it's scheduled, no, that's a 90,000 word project because the cookie can't feel like an add-on because then as an author, we treat it like an add-on. We think, oh, here's this extra thing I have to do. And no, 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 no. It's not an extra thing you have to do. It's part of the story that you're telling to involve your readers, to understand your world better, to, you know, partition off a part of your audience. There's so many reasons to do it. I really wish you'd stop
1: talking about cookies. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You really did introduce that idea that every book, it's not just funnel starters.
3: So first of all, you missed at least seven opportunities to say that you're baking that in from now on. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem.
1: I did. Um, yeah. yeah. Or that when you're done, you're, you're past tense, you're baked. (laughs) But but isn't that why you wrote the book?
3: Yes, 100%. So what you're talking about really is um, mostly you're talking about alignment is the one thing. So if your cookies are geared specifically so that they relate to certain books, extended epilogues, side stories, prequels, who's going to be attracted to those? The people who like your book right not every schmo in the world who wants something for free but the people who like what you write i think everybody should try to have a cold cookie something that can be read independently but for example when i was working for you before and we did um jamie davis's series the broken thrones series Uh we had a prequel cookie that can be read on its own that is a perfectly satisfying story it's got kind of a downer ending but that's a perfectly (laughs) satisfying story about how our villain grew from childhood to the villain that we love to hate. And if somebody loves it, they can start the series. And if they're like, eh, well, they got a good story and they're done. If you can do a cold cookie like that, that's super helpful. But the ones that will really make people go, I got to join this list is when you finish a romance and you say, uh, if you want to read about the honeymoon, here's an extended epilogue, go join my list. Or the side story. You guys did a side story with Dead City. Um, my daughter's just finishing up an urban fantasy and she's got a super cool side story. So that when people get to the end and you say, do you want to find out what happens during that, you know, little gap there, people go, yes, of course I do. How about we um, just right. not
4: give them the ending and say, if you want the ending, sign up for it?
3: <laughs> well, I have heard that advocated. I don't necessarily
2: think- <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that strategy. But, um, I, but I do like, um, yeah, I, I actually don't remember what I was going to say.
1: Well, I have a question then. So, um, Here. So let's, let's pretend that I'm a cynic here and I'm like, well, the people's email inboxes are too crowded. How are you possibly going to stand out there at Facebook there at wherever? So how do you stand? You out? could at least mimic my voice when you're doing this. <laughs> how do you stand <laughs> out? When you're, if I put Is all that, the cookies, then all the bears are going to come. So
3: <laughs> oh, I forgot about the cookies and the bears. Um, that's old school. That's OG. So, um. Here's what I would say. What I would say is, um, email converts better. That's just Google it. I don't even have to go into that. Email converts better. That's an empirical fact. Um, We can debate about why. I think maybe it's because it's people aren't distracted for starters. Because on Facebook, like they don't want to stop and read about your book. They want to look at cat pictures or you know articles about Trump or whatever. So they're not distracted as much in email. Um, It feels a little bit more. Or
4: the cat on Trump's head.
3: Or that. It feels a little <laughs> more
4: personal because it came
3: to their inbox. So that kind of, you know, that kind of matters. Um, I honestly, I don't know all of the reasons, but it just is an empirical fact. Email converts better. So um, did I get busted up there? Because my thing grows.
1: No, it's it, no. It, it, it's fine. How do you break through the clutter, Tammy, if you have so much, because people do have crowded inboxes. And I know that I sometimes get in modes where I'm like, Ah, uh, my green box is too crowded. let me let me just get through this shit. So how do you yep. stand out?
3: Here's how you stand out. You stand out by number one, being completely yourself because, like I said, that's what you're selling is you. You're not selling books. That's a happy side effect. You're selling yourself. So your every email that you send sh- that you send should deliver some kind of value for people and should be something that they look forward to opening. So, um if you write, uh, romance, you should go have a look at, I'm really sorry, Pippa. You should have a look at Pippa Grant's email list. Pippa's amazing, funny, sassy, personable, sometimes a little TMI, sometimes a little bit naughty, super, super fun, so that the people who like her books will like this newsletter. That's the sort of thing that they like to read. So she is her, I was going to say author persona, but she's actually just like that. Um <laughs> So, or if you, um, if you're uh, my friend Wayne, Wayne Stinnett, Wayne has um, this very matter of fact, every two weeks email that has a sidebar that says what book he's reading. And then over here, it talks about his votes and when the next book is coming and his readers are interested in those particular things.
2: Well, it's consistency so, too. They always know yeah. like that's what it's going to look like.
3: Yeah. This is, you know, there's going to be something fun. There's going to be an advice column from a character. There's going to be... Um, I don't know, pictures of hot dudes, whatever it is that you do. I, I write romance, you can see. Um,
0: the, so no,
2: Dave's emails have pictures of hot dudes. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you got to stop it. Just stop it.
4: Well, the the, the ladies request more pictures of me. So what can I do? <laughs> so, well, nothing.
2: Yeah, so I like be, furry bear newsletters.
3: Being yourself, being something that they cannot get anywhere else, delivering value, which means... Um, dropping uh, a cool bargain on them. I saw a Nora Roberts book two weeks ago on in the Book Club, no less. Um, and just
2: Not that you needed it. You already had it.
3: <laughs> but I was sending... I, I actually didn't have that one, which is part of what I talked about in the email. So um, I was sending an email that day anyway, so I included a little thing where I was like, you guys, somehow I never even saw this, so I guess you know what I'll be reading when I close this email. Um, like, And then there's a bond there. They like Nora, I assume. I like Nora. And they're going to be thinking, oh, I'll pick that up. It was super cheap. Um, if you send them snippets of what you're working on, if they are big fans of you, which is what we're cultivating, they will be excited to see little sneak peeks about what well, it is you're
2: doing. You, you know that not only, you're not looking for the things that you like. I think that's a mistake because we've given that uh, advice before. Hey, you know, it's just be yourself. Talk about the things you like. Talk about the TV shows you're watching. So you just gave the example of, um, you know, Nora Roberts. But to put a finer point on that, it's the things that interest you that you know, you already have in common with the reader. So for us, yes. you know, if Dave wanted to send an email talking about, um, Castle Rock on Hulu, which he couldn't, cause I don't think he has Hulu, but like that actually be the perfect thing to talk about. Hey, if you're a fan of CI, you, that's, you probably dig that. I actually have, I haven't seen Castle Rock either, but I know that a CI fan is a probably would also like Stephen King and that kind of world building and that kind of language. So. It's a it's a good fit. So it's not that we like Castle Rock or Dave likes Castle Rock. It's that he likes that and our, our readers probably do. He's also really into Fallout right now. But if you talked about Fallout and it wasn't somehow relevant to the story, like he could make it relevant, but he'd have to make it relevant. He doesn't have to try hard to make Castle Rock relevant. Is, is that correct?
3: That's exactly what I'm saying. So like I've been playing Chrono Trigger, as we discussed. My romance <laughs> readers don't want to hear about Chrono Trigger. No, they
4: don't. I'm- I guarantee Um, you they don't.
3: But they were (laughs) very cool ones, Will. That's right. I am currently um, finishing up a superhero romance. Hi, Julie Huss. Totally stole that idea from you. Um, (laughs) I am finishing up a superhero romance. And so um, my list heard when I started watching the Marvel Universe from the beginning. They heard about it when I got back from Infinity War with, you know, the headache and the tears. Um, And... The email I wait,
4: you weren't had, laughing at the end of Infinity War?
3: No, I did not laugh, Dave. Oh. Um, so, the, the email that I have sent in the entire time that I have been doing this for four years now um, that got the most replies is when I sent a few months ago. They're all prepped, they know this superhero thing's coming and they are all on board. And I sent them an email, and the title of the email, um, with the U obfuscated with an asterisk, was Which one of the Avengers do you want to fuck? And <laughs>
4: That email the really, really so, out.
3: So many replies, right? Because uh, of course it did. That's a great headline. Two of those two things. So, I
4: want um, Thor's hammer.
2: I would like to. Was it Thor? Uh, like because that's my answer. Ninety-two percent of the vote would be my. Guess. Yeah, that feels about right.
4: Nobody's yeah. asking for Ant Man.
3: <laughs>
2: Although <laughs> <laughs> nobody, no, did, but-, but I'd like to go to a movie with Ant Man. He seems like the best time.
3: One person did say He Man. So that was really interesting. And we had a little comment. Um, that one was a little, that was cool. So um, you talk to them. You talk to them about things that will make them want to talk back. I actually have a whole section in the book, not to tell everyone to get the book, but get the book. I have a whole section in the book that talks about um, what a good question is, one that elicits replies, and has a whole bunch of examples. One of the things that people worry about a lot is that getting to know your readers in this way and having to have conversations will mean that you have to like, Tell them a bunch of personal stuff, and some of my people do that. I've got readers. Um, excuse me. I've got students who send their readers pictures of their babies. Like they don't even care. They're totally like, "Hey, I had a baby." Or dead babies. Nobody
4: knew, says that. Babe. I knew you
3: were Nobody going
4: there. Says that. Why For Christmas. For
3: <laughs> <laughs> So um who doesn't
4: think about dead babies at Christmas?
3: But you really don't have to be like super personal in that way. You can talk about the things that you like and then the people bond with that. You don't have to tell them how many kids you have or what your husband's name is or where you live or what your pin is. Like you
2: can not- also talk and I know this actually sounds like I'm gonna make a joke, but I'm 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 actually serious. You can also talk about the things you don't like. So the like that is a bonding agent. If Dave just leaned into that shit and did like a, a weekly rant, there would be a, a percentage of our readers who would be all over that. So it it's, I think that, I mean, we every time we have an email conversation, this always boils down to this truism for me that's, I think, more important than any other thing that we're going to talk about. And I'm curious to see, Tammy, if you agree that when it comes to what is the most important thing, you talk tone, you talk style, you talk uh, frequency, any, any criteria. I think the most important is consistency.
3: I would agree with that hundred percent. Um, I think you should be consistent time-wise and there are both bonding and technical reasons for that, which are way outside the scope of this. But if you're not sending regularly, you are technologically kind of um, hurting yourself because of deliverability issues. So there's that, but also people come to rely on you. I know for example, I subscribe to Nora Roberts' newsletter. Um, I talk about Nora Roberts a lot. My other favorite author is Dennis Lehane. So, like, I'm super smart literary, guys. Um, <laughs> but I do not subscribe. I don't know if he even has a newsletter. So I subscribe to Nora Roberts' newsletter. And she writes under a pen name, an open pen name, um, this, like, kind of futuristic.
2: J.D. Text. Rob. I've actually read that before
3: <laughs> so those books come out in September and either late January or February every single year so I know in August I'm going to get an email and it's going to have the first chapter of the next book and ditto for late December and you bet my ass is you for those like I know that it's coming so I want it if your readers know that four weeks before release day you tend to send the cover reveal and they're all about the like oily Manchester because that's the kind of romance you write they are going to be they're gonna open it. It's just that simple. Um, so you wanna be delivering value, being enticing, getting them to reply to you. Johnny, one of the reasons, not just the crowding, but one of the reasons that open rates suffer so badly is people are just not seeing the emails. So, like I know that you know this, they go to like promotions or spam or whatever. So even the people who do want them sometimes do not see them. Right. So if you can entice people to open, to click and to reply, that's what I call the trifecta, that's lets their email provider know that they're engaging with you. And that is super, super important. Um, I stole that. I've stolen everything, basically. Um, I stole that from Nick Stevenson, whose book, um, Reader Magnets, is still very, very good. Um, is yeah, but it,
4: Nick never asked me what Avenger I wanted to fuck.
3: Right? Come on, Nick. Um, Nick is a little more selly than I am. I'm actually super like it?
4: Is Is it, is it the Hulk, that? Dave? It
3: is. Uh, of course.
4: 100%. No, it's She-Hulk. Come on.
3: i'm actually um sort of anti-selling in your newsletter i i separate my release emails from my newsletter the newsletter is just a monthly thing the release emails are just little short emails that say hey the book's here and i've been hyping the book up for the last four months in the newsletter so they're happy to get it um but other than that reader magnets is great this is not like a new concept and so soliciting replies which is something i heard nick say and thought that's really smart um, is good, again, for all those reasons, for technological reasons, for bonding reasons. You get to know your readers. You get to know what questions work on them. If you do split testing, you can see what worked better than something else. Um, and it's really individual, actually. I do want to say that part. It's really individual to the list. I was doing consult, a consult for um, a UF author just the other day, and she gave me two, two um, subject lines. I said, well, you should split test them. But A, that one's going to work better. I was dead wrong. Like I was 100% certain. I would have laid money on it, but for her list, it, it didn't work better. The other one got more opens. So you just kind of split test everything, see what people are replying to and send them the stuff they want. That's how you stand out because they are crowded. I get hundreds of emails every single day, but I, I dig that Nora one out every time.
1: Okay. So let's, I want to cover something else because, and the reason that I'm Front loading with this one is, um, I was asking Tam, cause Tammy is doing this newsletter black belt workshop the day after the summit. And I was like, well, what are you going to do at it? What are you going to do at it? And it's an, it's an eight hour thing. And she, she was like, okay. So the one, the one thing here is that you, there's no one size fits all answer and people try to mimic what other people are doing. So we've talked about some of the things that you can do that are consistent that, that everybody can, that apply to everybody. But, um, that's, like, can you talk a little bit about that, about how you can't just copy what somebody else is doing? You need something custom. You need help. Sometimes you need to come up with it yourself.
3: Yeah, you really can't because it just is completely individual. I have a lot of romance writer friends and we, you know, we pass each other's books around. You know, I'll send it out. We do newsletter swaps, but that's kind of a dirty word now. <laughs> but that's what we do. Um And so. Hey, know,
2: baby, you want to swap newsletters? <laughs>
3: Someone will send me out in their newsletter and a small portion of people is going to click on that. And then an the even smaller portion is going to join my list. And so over time, the people that I cultivate on my list, because you're also letting the ones that aren't like your tribe kind of slough off, right? So the ones that I cultivate on my list are going to be very different from the ones that somebody else does. Um, So everything about your list will be different. Your tone may be different. Your format may be different. Like Wayne's got that sidebar where he talks about what he's reading. I don't do it that way. I generally do a recommendation towards the end of the email. This is what I'm working on this weekend. And I don't like sidebars because I can't figure them out. And plus they don't display right on phones. So um, I do it differently. We're both doing the same thing. Oh, you should definitely recommend books you like. But we do it in a way that works better with the particular... Um, newsletter that we're sending. Um, a per- actually, a really good example would be his. Is seriously is always like, I'm reading this book right now. It's really good. And mine is all like, Oh my god, you guys! Nadia Lee has a new book out today. And you know how I feel about her billionaires. And like, da 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 da. Because it's a really different tone. We have different lists, even if we take the general principles. We're going to implement them a little bit differently.
1: Can you talk a little bit about segmenting? So when I say a little bit I do mean a little bit because segmenting is a big topic and you can go really really down rabbit holes. But um that's yes. that's something else you gave me that for the for the workshop. So what do people need to know about segmenting? And why? Segmenting can you start with why and what it is?
3: Yes. So there's two different reasons to segment. One is because you've tagged or segmented people based on the genre they read, the type of book they like, what what which one of your pen names they follow. You know, there could be things that you would send an email to one segment and not to the other. That's kind of what most people think of as segmenting. Um I when I was when I had all my books jumbled up under one pen name no matter what they were, um I I had people tagged to like Paragraphs.
2: How many authors do that? Or do you <laughs> I mean, I, I know Well, I know you don't have line of sight to anything like that, but I think we didn't understand. I mean, we collectively as an industry, but certainly including us, didn't understand uh, the way algorithms worked five, six years ago when we started. So all of our stuff was all jumbled, and we're still trying to unjumble that. But are, are you seeing authors now? are a little more savvy when they start, so they're not making that mistake to begin with, and a lot of it is old, or do you see new authors are still having a... Fi- they still have that year or two where they're figuring shit out. And
1: before you answer that, Tammy, let me put a finer point on it, which is that specifically Platon Truant, we were all over the place. We were like comedy and sci-fi, but a lot of people might write romance, but they write dark stuff, they write light stuff. They write... Um, they write thrillers with a cat in them or without, I mean, I'm making that up, but like there are subgenre distinctions that, that merit segmenting too.
3: Yes, because, and this is actually really important and most authors don't know it. And then, uh, and sometimes I get a little pushback when I tell them, but it is true. Um, and I think that we don't know it because we come to this industry first as readers, not almost none of the authors I know are not readers. Right. And so, um, most of the authors I know read widely across a bunch of genres. I read everything so when I started publishing and came to realize over the last few years most readers don't read everything if they read romance they don't read sci-fi and in fact if they read paranormal they don't read billionaire and in fact if they read wolf shifters they don't read bear shifters they are like super super subgenre loyal so if you can I'm not saying you have to separate your list I mean if you wrote paranormal bears and wolves you're probably just gonna send that all to one person But if I wrote dark romance and then I wrote, you know, something that was a little more chick lit or something, um, I would probably I would segment my list out and I would send to the people that tend to read the dark romance when I had a dark romance out. And then a few weeks later, I'd send it to the whole list. There are going to be people who might like to do jump genres because they like me. But in that first few weeks, you want to kind of protect um, those connections that Amazon's making behind the scenes. So segmenting in terms of tagging people about like interests or genres or whatever is a really smart way to let Amazon make the connections they need to make so that they know who to show your book to. That's really important. Um, The other kind of segmenting is segmenting at launch, which is a way too big a topic for this, but essentially (laughs) if you spread your launch emails out over several days, you will not reach the same kind of peak as if you release just one release email and everybody rushes to buy it you will go much, much higher that way. Um, but Amazon tends to squash spikes. So if you actually segment out your list and send you know 500 over five days instead of 2,500 at once, hope I did that math right, um, you may not go as high, but you do tend to be more sticky. You'll stay at a somewhat higher rank because Amazon sees that you have this predictable pattern and kind of just makes everything a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is great until it's not. So that's another thing that segmenting can mean. And that's actually something I definitely want to talk to people um, when I do the workshop after the summit. We'll talk about it a little bit in my presentation because I'm doing the actual summit as well. Um, but then in the workshop, we're going to talk a lot about exactly how to parse out your list so that, so that you can pick people and do have them do the things you need to do. Um, I have a, you know, I have a pretty big list for my romance pen name. But within that list, I have a group of just under a thousand people, like 950 people. And those people, if I parse them out from everyone else, that group of people has no joke, an 85 or 90% open rate. Those are hmm. my super fans. So if I need something. That
2: is happen, a really impressive open rate.
3: Yes. However, the list as a whole does not have that open rate, believe me. But that particular group does. So if I need them to do something, if I want to do newsletters talk with someone who's you know, does really well, someone who sells better than me, I can say to her, I can deliver you eight hundred clicks. I can't promise the buys, but I can deliver you eight hundred clicks, no question. And that's really powerful because I can I can deploy them to do whatever it is I'm doing.
1: How do you treat those so, yeah different- I meant how do you treat those different segments? I mean, again, this is like a big topic and custom and stuff. But do you do you send different newsletters sometimes? Like, do, you, do or do you would would you advise maybe in a perfect world treating those segments differently in terms of just communicating with them or when you send them stuff or something like that?
3: I would not. Somebody else's mileage might vary on that for sure. That's
1: does she phrase for you guys? Yes. She did. Let's let's talk about something else in the meantime while we're waiting for Tammy to come back. <laughs> what do you guys feel about the uh local bird population? Um well it
2: is does seem to be growing. I do notice a lot of blue jays on my walk, Johnny. How about you? I, I don't. Okay,
4: there she's there. She goes. Back. Okay, now she's back.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> it was well, only so long awesome. we could talk about birds.
3: Was I making a really good face?
1: I, it was I amazing. Was... Yeah. The YouTube
2: viewers are going to be delighted.
3: <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, I turned off all of my things, like all my backups and stuff. Dave remind me to turn them back on. Um,
1: Dave's never been stymied by turning something off to make bandwidth available for this show.
3: <laughs> I can't remember what we were talking about before I went away.
1: Uh, uh, what Avenger
2: you'd like to have sex with?
3: <laughs> no, no, that was older. That was an older topic. However, the answer is Iron Man. In case you were curious.
2: Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good choice.
3: Yeah. So now you know. Um, I actually
2: would take him over Thor because the conversation would be wittier.
3: Way better. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. going to talk to Thor about?
2: I totally forgot about Iron Man. I was thinking pure hunk, but <laughs> I i need to be intellectually stimulated, so it would be Tony I, Stark.
3: I did though. That was that was the biggest answer to go. <laughs> I, I, there's so much conversation about this email and that's really um, funny.
1: I mean, I um, had, I had asked but, Tammy, I had asked about what, do you treat them differently? I don't know if you were comp- oh, full on that answer. Yes.
3: So, um, some people will have a different answer. I myself don't tend to treat people differently other than deciding when they will see a certain email because I am again, cultivating a certain kind of person on my list. Um, I talk a lot in the book and we'll definitely talk, um, at the, um, summit about, um, subscriber avatars, which is a little bit like a reader avatar, but a little bit more specific. Um, so my subscriber avatar is a very specific sort of person. And those are really the only kind of people that I want. So I don't have to treat them differently. They're gonna, they're gonna like whatever email I send. However, I'm also gearing up for, to have a, um, a lit RPG pen name. That's actually a male pen name. That's going to be a very different list when I get that going. That's obviously going to be super, super different, but they would, I mean, I got to write them a whole different email. Of course, if I have, uh, like I've segmented a larger romance list, for example, the only way I treat them differently is when they get to see whatever I'm going to send them. And then I'll send a follow-up and I might tweak it a little bit. You know, um, if I wrote billionaire and paranormal, I might send all my billionaire people, the billionaire. Reviews, Are
2: there any billionaire paranormals right now? Yes
3: tons um but then i might send the paranormal like three weeks later and be like hey you guys you usually read my or rather i'll send it to the paranormal people and say hey i know that you usually read the shifter stuff but just so you know i've also got this this new you know 50 shades ripoff um (laughs) and some people will jump and some people won't but i will have in that first crucial you know 30 days honestly is what we've got with amazon although lately it feels more like 14 um and that (laughs) crucial period i will have kind of preserved the purity of those of that audience
1: which is important were you starting to ask something a second john i feel like no uh, i was not um so what's
4: the best way to revive a dead list
3: oh that is tough dave um
2: what what makes it what makes it more tough? Is it people's attention or is it the email service providers themselves? Or is it, is it a fair mix?
3: It is mostly the technology of it. Because the problem is that in a nutshell, and we could talk about this all day, in a nutshell, the fewer of your emails that are opened, the fewer emails will be delivered, which then means there are fewer for people to open. And that is just a downward slope and there's nothing to be done about it. The problem is when you come around and say, okay, it's time to revive this list. We need to do some re-engagement. It is extremely hard to re engage people who can't see your emails. Mm-hmm. And they're all not seeing them at this point because your deliverability went to shit.
2: Yeah, it's all numbers. Even if you had a ten thousand a ten thousand person list sounds great, but that could decay to a couple hundred people. Like yes. really really fast yeah
3: so basically um re-engagement is it's two-pronged it's writing now you should be writing good subject lines all the time but when you decide to do a re-engagement campaign those subject lines have to fucking kill it because that may be all someone sees they haven't been opening your emails so you need to really make them want to open whatever's inside that email should ideally be something they cannot resist clicking on. When I re-engage, I usually do a bouncy box, like an Amazon giveaway for a full price, like traditional romance author, somebody that I know everybody's gonna want, like Nora or someone like that. Um, because when someone opens and says, you could win this Nora Roberts book, all you have to do is click on this link. I've got the click, the click to register, and that's gonna help with the deliverability down the road. The second prong is that once you get them to open, you need to talk about whitelisting. And as Sean will know from having read the book, I think you need to talk about whitelisting from the second they sign up. Yes, Because that is the only way that you can be really sure that Gmail is at no point going to override their decision that they want to see you. I don't always get my own emails. (laughs) Sometimes they go to promotions. So, I mean, I open and engage with every single email I send. So it seems to vary probably based on what other people are doing. So if you've got someone to, you know, add you to contacts or whatever the thing is they have to do to whitelist, then you don't have to worry about that going forward, which is really important.
4: Now, whitelisting is preserving the racial purity of your list,
3: right? Exactly. You want okay. to be sure that your entire list <laughs> will go to Charlottesville with Tiki
2: Right. And, okay. So um, at least if he doesn't say Hitler, he <laughs> he expounds upon his <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> So yeah. when we told Dave no more Hitler mentions, <laughs> you've now mentioned him twice.
3: And then he came back at you and said, that's fine. No problem. So the next CI book is called Blood and Soil, right? <laughs> that was what he said, right? Wow. Freaking say What am I going to do with you? Okay. So that's what re-engagement is. You have to get them to open. You have to get them to click. Ideally, you could get them to reply and you really want to say, did you, you know, did you have to fish this out of spam? Did you have to get this out of promotions? Here's how you can make sure that doesn't happen. It's really slow. And by the time you go, hmm, I really need to re-engage this list. You're going to lose a big chunk of them. There's just no getting around it. However, that said, So what? They're not opening your emails. What does it matter if you lose them? They're only hurting you by sticking around and telling Gmail, yeah, about 3% of the people get this email, open it. So let's not even bother showing it anymore. And that really is what happens.
4: How often should you purge your list?
3: I purge my list twice a year, but that's mostly because I'm lazy. Um, I think that people would probably be better served. Quarterly. yeah, I would say quarterly. Although, of course, again, that depends on how often you set. So, if you well, it also
2: depends on your criteria too, like yes. what what you're trimming. If you're yeah, trimming, Dave, watch you know. this
1: whole instructional series called "The Purge" on how <laughs> to do
2: it.
4: <laughs> yes, when can I kill everyone on my list?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's soon. I'm sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So. I, I do it twice a year, um, but I also only release about twice a year, So, which is very sad and I need to work on that. Um, so for me to go around and start kicking people off every two or three months would be kind of ridiculous. Um, but if you were the kind of person who released like every two weeks, which certain people do, or if you're Michael Andrew <laughs> you release every day, you might want to do it a little bit more closely together because you can, you know what? let's not talk about time let's talk about number of nailings right so after a certain number of emails you check and see has this person opened the last 10 and then that's where you start with your engagement who hasn't opened the last however many and how do i get them how do i get them to notice this email well, and then you have to be super ruthless it's really hard okay like i did the gdpr thing and i lost i don't know 4000 people I just couldn't catch them. I just could not get them to open an email. And because I had done some, I I had some questions about the provenance of some of my names. Um, So I wanted to make sure that I recertified everybody. I lost about 4,000 people. And those people sat in active campaign for, I don't know a month while I went, oh man, maybe there's one other thing I can do. What if I, you know, like you don't want to let them go because you worked so hard to get them, but they are nothing but dead weight, man. They're ballast roam overboard.
1: Well, there's 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 a lot to this, and and um, I don't I don't want to step on what you're going to talk about at the at the summit, which is going to be more detailed. And for the workshop, it's going to be very one on one and specific and handholding and stuff. So yes,
3: I am super excited about the workshop. Can I just say um, to anybody who's thinking about it, it is going to be super cool. It's going to be really hands on. We're going to write autoresponders. We're going to create subscriber avatars. We're going to brainstorm topics like roundtable style. It's going to be super fun. So if you're
1: she froze during the sales pitch. That's not <laughs> right. I think Dave probably had something to do with that. Dave was like, getting too selly there. <laughs> um,
2: she's just leaving us hanging. <laughs> yeah, I don't I do no, see... No, no, I think this is Dave Lacani taught her about open money. loops.
1: There it is. There it is. Now she's <laughs> back. Okay, back. So
3: yes. a, super, super fun. We're going to do a ton of really cool stuff. It's very, very hands-on, very one-on-one, but we'll also do a lot of roundtable things. And um, so if you're wavering on it, it is going to be so great. So is, there,
4: is there any genre that you think would specifically um, could,
2: could it be any genre would be helped by this or 100% any
3: genre because I don't think that there's mm, I was going to say what me, if
2: I wrote a little book called Abraham Lincoln fuck lord of the moon could you or, build a list for that
1: I, I have a list of a list. readers who um, are Luddites who churn their own butter and don't have any technology
3: <laughs> yeah that's not going to be effective um, and your your Abraham Lincoln one might be a little small um, but I. That's not small, what he said. I'd rather have a small, really engaged. <laughs>
2: Abraham Lincoln disagrees.
3: This is where I take. Um, this is where I insult poor David Gogrin because he wrote a blog post a couple of years ago that said the person with the biggest email list wins. No, they don't. No, they really don't. The person with the most engaged email list.
1: Andre Chaperone would disagree. Yeah, with David I, I agree. Da- David may the have changed model. on that, by the
3: way. <laughs> yeah, Dave I, I has don't... changed. My, Dave took my course and Ah, everything changed you fixed
4: him (laughs) i fixed
3: him i did fix him so um yeah things are really different now but it is about being engaged if you follow like paul jarvis is someone who talks a lot about email you should check out his podcast. um if you follow larissa Larissa reynolds yeah i'm pretty sure it's larissa reynolds um she talks about newsletters she's super super smart and everybody that i really respect and talk to in this space says the same thing. I would rather have 2,000 people with an 80% open rate than 20,000 people who don't care if they get it.
1: Okay. So if um if it, Tammy's um, you know, uh, pitch for the summit made you or for the workshop, the newsletter black about workshop made you want to get it, um I don't actually have a direct link, but after you um after you get your ticket to the summit, then it's it's in one of the follow-up emails and it's a suggested um if you like this, you might like that in the cart. So that's all, smarterartistsummit.com. This is the last Smarter Artist Summit, which is a little sad, but, um, but yeah. So, so anyway, so we'll see Tammy at the, at the final summit in February, and uh, thanks for being on the show. And um, Sammy's book, again, is Newsletter Ninja, um, How to Become an Author Mailing List Expert, and we highly recommend it. Do you tell people how to play Fortnite like the other ninja? I do not. Oh. Do
4: you tell
2: them how to play <laughs> Chrono Trigger? I tell
3: them how to play Chrono Trigger um, and Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, which has a ninja. So,
2: no, it was 3 slash 7. No, it was 3 slash 7.
3: 7 was for the PlayStation, Sean. I'm taking away your ninja.
2: Oh, no, you're right. I, I stand totally corrected. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right. That's right, because they had Cloud Strife with his big-ass sword. That's <laughs> right.
4: Wow, we are segmenting our audience yeah Yeah, <laughs>
1: Yes,
3: Uh.
1: trimming our tribe. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, Tammy, for being on. And um, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Thanks
2: for having me. Adios, Tammy. Thanks for being awesome. Bye,
0: guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. You're invited to join us at the final Smarter Artists Summit on February 18th and 19th in Austin, Texas. Authors and publishing experts from around the world will join us to teach you strategies that will outlast the what's working yesterday tactics everyone else is talking about. Attendance is limited, so reserve your spot at smarterartistsummit.com now.